G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to touch base with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is the New South Wales and ACT State Director for Family Voice Australia. Greg's back with us. Hi, Greg. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Welcome to be back. Hey, Greg, just want to touch on some developing thoughts that you're having as you're uh, just got feelers out all over the country insofar as uh, churches that have been meeting at homes. We're all been so concerned about the idea that churches have closed doors and uh, sometimes we're quite happy with that because of the health consequences. Uh, other times we're saying, well, maybe the consequences are not as bad in Australia and perhaps we should fling those doors wide open. But you've been thinking recently about some unintended consequences of worshipping from home. Uh, what have you come up with? Yeah, thank you, Neil. Look, um, I read some research uh, internationally and then uh, that research prompted me to do my own research here in Australia to see what's happening. Um, I attended our church again for the second week in a row for the, for, since the COVID uh, shutdown and this is what I've come up with after a bit of, bit of research, uh, talking to colleagues, ministers and, of course, going to my own church. Five things came out very clearly, uh, Neil. First one was that I don't know, and I'd be interested in feedback from your listeners as well, but sermons tend to be shorter, yet more profound. In other words, um, ministers on, 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 on Zoom, webinar, or whatever it may be, tend to have a much shorter sermon. Secondly, I've also found that the sermons uh, tend to be far simpler. In other words, the, uh, the, the, the pastor or the minister is not, getting too involved with creating. Uh, in other words, um, there's a greater concentration on the creator rather than their own creativity. Uh, let's just uh, dwell yeah. on these just for a moment here, yep. Greg, because mm. uh, shorter sermons are mm. uh, less contrived. And I think what you mean by yep. that is that the mm. pastor's not trying to be quite as entertaining uh, and uh, is more getting to the point. Is that what you're trying to say there? I mean, I know, I know my own church, you know, sometimes our uh, pastors have, um, you know, slides, they have uh, uh, prompts that they hold up, uh, somewhat theatrical. I don't mean that disrespectfully, I mean that, that they're trying to engage with their congregation much quicker. So that seems to have gone. It is now basically just a simpler version of a sermon. Uh, in other words, they're concentrating more on the creator than their own creativity, Neil. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, and uh, yeah. we'll get back to your uh, yep. points in a moment, but I've noticed, and uh, even in my own thoughts, uh, doing mm. church in our living room, uh, that once my church service is finished, I'm much more inclined to go searching for uh, a YouTube clip with some worship, could be from anywhere around the world, or looking at other messages, perhaps yep. messages that might be prompted by what my pastor has delivered in his uh, Sunday message. Is that the sort of thing that you think people are doing as well? Are they, are they uh, staying on and, uh, and absorbing more? 
Well, absolutely. I know I do it, Neil, so I'm doing the same as you. Uh, I, I do exactly that. And, and in particular, I also try and make sure what other, uh, uh, you know, versions of that particular sermon other ministers may have around the world. So, yes, I am doing that. So, uh, and, and funnily, you, you, you mentioned that because during the, uh, the, the now that, uh, you know, the, the churches are back, um, there there's, tends to be a congregation of, you know, intergenerational worship. Um, this has always been an issue, and, you know, what I'm saying here is that I've noticed now that the young and the old and the children tend to be all in, in one particular location. There are still having kids groups and what have you, but intergenerational, intergenerational worship um, should be really something that we need to look at more more. Uh, closely now that we're starting to regroup. The other thing I noticed, Neil, and you might, uh, you may have noticed it as well, is that when I listen to a, uh, a, a sermon on Zoom, the actual music worship has reduced somewhat. Uh, there may be one or two songs, if any, and, and in some cases I've looked at some of the uh, sermons online or churches online, there's no music uh, worship at all. So one of the things we need to sort of question maybe now is, okay, do we actually need music? Does this help fulfil our mission? Um, so there's another issue that uh, one can look at that I found is interesting. And the last one is that uh, uh, we have to be aware that the quality of worship is not the same as the quantity of worship. In other words, I find that even that the sermons are shorter on Zoom, uh, the quality is much better. Okay. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, when you start to touch on issues around music, not every church is going to be so well equipped to do a major musical production for their praise and worship at the beginning of their online event. Uh, I know some do it well. I know that my own local church does it incredibly well, and uh, we've got some very talented musicians. Not every church is blessed with incredibly talented musicians that can make that happen, and uh, but th- but then there's also, and I'll get your thoughts here, Greg, there's also this idea that the uh, professionalism of your worship leaders might not be quite so as important as the authenticity of what's happening with the worship. And I've heard feedback, uh, even from listeners, uh, about the way that the authenticity of what they're hearing is much more important than the professionalism when it's coming from their local church on a Sunday. Any Absolutely. thoughts around that? Absolutely. Look, uh, funny you mention that because I'm finding that that is exactly the case. Um, uh, in particular, on the Sunday uh, church that uh, we attended, um, there was no congregational singing because, of course, that creates, you know, extra uh, air vapours in the air and what have you and what have you. So that was uh, eliminated. So the minister basically had the Bible reading and then the minister went straight into the sermon. Uh, not long. Uh, ran about 20 minutes, and that's an interesting topic, how long a sermon should be, but it was of quality rather than quantity. Okay, and you've also had some thoughts around what's happening with the churches that are regathering, and now I guess we're only talking about relatively small churches here because I know that larger churches have been putting off the idea of regathering. And those churches that have been full on a Sunday, yeah. uh, when they're faced with restrictions with social distancing, have been discovering that when they used to be able to fit 
400 people in. Uh, now they're only able to fit 60 in because of social distancing restrictions. Uh, they're only small churches that are regathering. There's some big issues around all of that. But what have you found with those that have uh, tested the waters? They've begun to gather again. What have, what have you found? Yeah, Neil, again, it, uh, a quick research with uh, various churches around uh, around the state, and I'm sure this is uh, reflective of uh, nationally, but five things came out very quickly, Neil, and they were basically that churches are following the state guidelines, the COVID-19 guidelines. They are providing sanitizers, uh, social distancing, so they're following the directions of their state authorities. The second thing I found out is very, very interesting is that uh, attendance is much lower than pre-quarantine period. So attendance is much lower. I think people are hesitant to get, get back to church on a, on, on a person-to-person basis. So the numbers were down. Um, thirdly, I found also that, interestingly, well, on, on the church that I, I attended on Sunday, they were predominantly senior members of the church, which is actually ironic because you'd think that the elderly would stay away, but they, in point of fact, were the ones that dominated the numbers in, on, on a Sunday. So that's an interesting one. And finally, I also found that uh, uh, that uh, a lot of the churches are providing additional areas for people to worship, whether it's a breakout room or what have you. So they're being creative. They're, they're also being uh, innovative in, in how best to present um, God's Word to the congregation. And the one other thing I found was it doesn't matter whether you've got uh, a face-to-face sermon or you're going to Zoom, People always will criticise a minister or a church, and that's something I heard again. That they, you know, they tended to criticise the, the the Zoom, whether it was too loud or too soft or not colourful enough or whatever. So there are things that have come out of my research, you know, which is very interesting as we start to regather. Interesting that you draw attention to the fact that uh, maybe some churches have been having a break from some of the negativity, but uh, yeah. <laughs> negative. But interesting when people do make a criticism, oftentimes they're doing that with the best intent, uh, giving Correct. their feedback, and sometimes it can be taken as a criticism or taken personally, and uh, and that's that way you you know you have people concerned about one another. So some will have had a bit of a break from that. Uh, others, <laughs> others won't be able to wait to get back so that they can share their critique of how things have been going and then their critique about how things will move forward and uh, that's something of that is human nature and uh, that's where when you're leading a church you've got to have a bit of a thick skin and to be able to discern what's a genuine critique and what's uh, nasty criticism and uh, you've got to be careful I I preach I I get invited to preach at various churches which I love uh, but I can tell you where there's a sermon there's a critic (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Hey, Greg, there's a big issue that has been looming and not been discussed all that widely here in Australia, but there's been a development in the United States. Mm. And there was a decision that was made by the Supreme Court of the United States around uh, LGBTQ issues and employment uh, what are your thoughts on some of the developments around the decision in the United States and what connection that may have to Australia? Well, I think it's got tremendous connection, Neil, because two things have come out of this. One, you will recall that we in Australia, through the Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who undertook to have a religious freedom bill enacted uh, in the next, or, or this term of government. Well, that's now been delayed. We've heard nothing from it. 
So what is actually happening? And I suspect the problem's become too difficult for the Prime Minister. Going back to the American decision of the Supreme Court, three, three issues have come up. It doesn't matter whether you're in uh, Washington or Sydney or Melbourne or Timbuktu, and they are, one, does the ruling of the High Court mean that churches, Christian schools, ministries and other religious institutions could be forced to violate their biblical convictions regarding gender and sexuality? The second issue, Neil, is does that mean if our church pastor says, hey, I'm a transgender person, I've decided to transgender, can we sack him or her? That's a, that's a second issue. And the third issue that's come out of this decision is could the, could ministry refuse to hire a gay person based on their sexual identity? Now, we need to address this from a biblical perspective, which I, I can talk about later, but one of the things that... that uh, Franklin Graham said straight after the decision of the Supreme Court was that I believe this decision erodes religious freedoms across the country, people of sincere faith who stand on God's word as their foundation for life should never be forced by the government to compromise their religious beliefs. And interesting, isn't it, that so many will say, we demand a separation of church and state, but yep. when it comes to controlling the church, we want to impose the state. And uh, there are Absolutely. some challenges there. And yes. uh, as the religious freedom legislation uh, is sometime into the near future perhaps mm. going to be debated, uh, these things are going to be hotly contested. And a decision like that coming from the United States, that's, has, that's caused concern in the US, and uh, you're saying that should concern us here because oftentimes flow-on effects of things that happen in the Supreme Court in the United States do have uh, their own legal flow-on to other nations and uh, that may be something that people will be monitoring here in Australia. Yeah, well, what, what tends to happen, and pardon my expression, Neil, but ten, the loony left tend to pick up on what's happening over there. Then they will want to implement those decisions into any religious freedom bill that comes up here in Australia. And we don't want that. We are, we, we are still, whether you like it or not, to the people out there that say we're secular, we're not. We're still a Christian nation. 51% in, a, in, the, in, the, in the last um, census indicated they were people of faith. So we're still a Christian faith, and we need to make sure that as Christians, we, you know, we, we back that we are not going to compromise our religious beliefs now. That's good. Hey, Greg Bondar, New South Wales and ACT State Director for Family Voice Australia. Let me point people to the Family Voice website and uh, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. Greg Bondar, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you for the opportunity, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.